Thanks for listening to the Grace Hill Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. For more information about Grace Hill, follow us on social media at gracehill901 or visit gracehill901.com. It's pretty amazing what can happen when people come together, isn't it? Ten families um, uh, were able to now have Christmas because of your generosity that otherwise they would not have been able to have Christmas. People that you may or may not ever meet. And uh, what a powerful testimony to the generosity of people, uh, to uh, just the heart, uh, like, like Jessica talked about, being tethered to the heart of God. Uh, what a neat thing. And so thank you guys for being here. Uh, my name is Jason. just want to extend my welcome to you. I'm the pastor here, and it's a privilege uh, that you picked today to be here. Uh, thank you, Stacy, down here with your go. If you guys have not seen Stacy Brown's sweater, this is amazing. Uh, maybe after church they can come see it. Uh, we've actually got a, a duel going right here because Stacy has Go Jesus, It's Your Birthday, and it's a breakdancing Jesus on a blanket, but he has, he, you turn the lights off, thank you, because it really would have, yeah, like messed with me. And then Joe over here, Joe Reed, has a, it's a, it's a box, it's a gift, and it says Gangsta Rapper, but it's with a W. And so we got like a face-off going here, like between best, best sweater and the second hour. So thank you guys for participating in that. Um, so I'm so excited to teach this message. I, I've, been, I've been excited about it all week long uh, and, and just been thinking about it and thinking about you as I think about this message and, and where we're headed in this series. We started the series a couple of weeks ago called Here's Our King, and uh, Randy referenced it earlier. The, the idea behind this, this series is that Jesus never came to stay in a manger. He came to, to be king of the world. And uh, so we're looking at these new realities because of, of who our king is and, and what this means for us in our life. And, uh, you know, most of us, we live our lives in, the, in, the, in, in between these two tensions, don't we? It's the two tensions of this. It's the tension of have to and the tension of get to. It's the tension of have to. We have to do this or we get to to do this. Uh, a, a blogger that I found, uh, I was kind of looking up like, you know, how do people communicate this? Because it was an idea that I've been wrestling through for a couple weeks. And, and, and a blogger I found online said this, that have to frames things in a way uh, that, that's it's an obligation. It, it's required. And in most time, times when you say that you have to do something, it, it's kind of framed up almost like a negative. Uh, whereas get to, when you say get to, it, it comes from a place of gratitude. It, it's, a, it's a sense of appreciation for something. It, it's a positive. I'll, I'll, I'll illustrate it this way. I'll explain it this way. How many of you guys, by show of hands, how many of you guys have to finish your Christmas shopping in the next week? How many of you guys? Man, a lot of you guys have got it done. Okay, hands up really high. I want to see. I want to see. Yeah. Man, a lot of you guys have already got it done. That's, that's really impressive. Okay, guys, I'm giving you a softball here. Okay, here it comes. I'm giving you a softball. How many of you guys get to go shopping with your wife over the next week to finish Christmas shopping? And you get to go shopping. Every guy in the room who's married should raise your hand right now, even if you don't have to, okay? Um, we, get, <laughs> we have to or we get to. You get the point. There's, there's been this silly meme. This is, this is not even in my notes, I, but I thought about this first hour, and I was just, we were laughing about it. Um, there's this silly meme that's been going around where it's two columns. I don't know if you guys have seen this on Facebook or not or social media. It's two columns, and the one side, it's like, you know, it's, it's, the, these, these, the, it's the wife. You know, she's bemoaning all the gifts that she has to buy. And on the one side, it says, you know, what the wife has to buy. And it's, you know, husband, kid one, kid two, kid three, Grandma, grandpa, grandma, grandpa, sisters, brothers, you know, it's, it's this huge long list all the way down to like it ends with, you know, like the boss's secretary, you know, it's like it's this huge long list. 
And then over on the right side, all it says is guy or, you know, husband, and it just says wife. And it's these women, you know, they're bemoaning the fact that they have to buy all these gifts. Here's what I want to say to every woman in the room. Thank you, first of all, for doing all that. The second thing is this. Do you know how much pressure is on the guys to get that one gift right? All our relationship for 2019 kind of hangs on the guys getting that gift right. How many of you guys have had that moment where they told you something in May that they wanted for Christmas? Mm-hmm. And you didn't write it down? And then you didn't give it in December? And they said, I told you. I told you exactly what I want. There's a lot riding on the gift, ladies. Give us a little bit of grace. Give us a little compassion in that. Okay, that's free. We're moving on. Not in my notes. There's always going to be things in life we have to do. But when it comes to following Jesus, and when it comes to this new reality of following Jesus, there are so many things that now we get to do because of this life that we have in Jesus. And our anchor text for this series, we'll come back to it again next week and finish out, but, but it's this idea, it's, first, uh, it's in Colossians 1, it says this, he has rescued us, that's what we looked at a couple of weeks ago, that, 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 that God in his infinite mercy and in his infinite grace to us, he has rescued us. But what has he rescued us from? He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. Another translation may say domain of darkness. And he has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. And then what we'll look at next week will be the the back half of this, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Not a overtly Christmassy passage, but has massive implications on our life in this time of year. That he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. And when we read that passage in 2018, we, 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 we read it and we think, you know, transferred us, you know, with like a bank account, like a wire transfer, like what does that even mean, you know, to, to transfer us from one kingdom to another. But when Paul wrote this in a first century context, they would very, especially a Roman first century context, they would very much know what he was meaning by this. And this idea of being picked up from one kingdom and moved into another kingdom, picked up from one region and moved into another region would be very, very, it would be a fresh idea for many first century uh, followers of Jesus because oftentimes what would happen is when a king would come and conquer a land, conquer an area, conquer some territory, what that king would oftentimes do because he wanted to break up the, 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 the mentality, he wanted to break up the culture, he wanted to, 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 to give people a new identity, what he would do is he wouldn't leave them in their towns where they were. He would actually transfer that group of people, sometimes disperse those people, but he would transfer those people from one place, from one region, and he would transfer them and put them into a new place. Because he didn't want the old ways of the old kingdom to linger in the people. He didn't want the old ideas and the old behaviors to, to linger in the people. And so he would put them into a new place where they would have to create a new life. And if you're a follower of Jesus, this is incredible news for you. Don't miss this. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have been transferred from one kingdom. A kingdom that was only going to ever end in, in death. It was only going to ever end in despair. It was only ever going to end in darkness. You've been transferred from one kingdom into a new kingdom with new purposes, with a new formula for how to live your life, a new way that now because of this transfer that has happened, it's a new way that we get 
to live. And there's so many new realities that we have as followers of Jesus because of this. But today I want to give you three. I want to give you three ways, three uh, uh, points out there that, that we have that because we've been transferred into this new kingdom, it's a new way that we get to live. And so we're going we're gonna to cover a lot of scripture today. So if you want to follow along in your Bible app, you go to the YouVersion Bible app if you want to. All you got to do is open up your phone, go to the YouVersion Bible app, and go to the bottom right corner. I'm doing it right now on my phone. You go to the bottom right corner where it says more, and then you find the little tab that says events, and it will actually pull up Grace Hill Church, and you click on that, and you can follow along all the scripture. The points will be there this morning, or you can just track on the screen or in your Bible. The first idea that we see uh, that comes from this is that now the reality for us, this, because of this transfer that has happened, is we get to be generous. We get to be generous. And we've been talking the last several weeks a lot about finances in our church. And, and I want to say to you, I want to thank you, I want to commend you. You guys have stepped up uh, in our finances as a church. You, you are providing. You are providing for the ministries and the life of this church. And we cannot thank you enough. But, but we get to be generous not just in one area specifically related to our finances, but our whole lives. In the way that we respond to others, in the way that we talk to others and talk about others, the way that we live our lives, we get to be generous. Listen to the words that Paul wrote in the book of Philippians. He said this, don't be selfish. I mean, there's good rules to live by. We try to teach our kids those. And he's not writing this letter to, to a group of, you know, third graders. He's writing this letter to adults, and he's saying, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. And if you hold that passage up, that way to live, that generous way to respond to the world around us, if you hold that up and then you hold the, what the world says that we should do, those are two very different ways to live. It flies in the face of the, of the culture that the world says and the way that the world says we have lived. Why? Because we have been transferred from one kingdom into another kingdom. And when we've been transferred into this new kingdom, it means we get to live differently. We get to live generously towards other people. It means we get to live in this new reality where we put people first and we honor people with what we say and with what we do. We get to live differently, and it makes a huge difference. Um, some, some couples in our life group got together the other night for dinner, and over dinner, you know, we, we cover, you know, all the, all the ground. I mean, it's everything. It's, you know, the movies that you've watched and the funny, you know, YouTube videos that are out there. I mean, it just, you know, it just meanders all through. And, and we, we got to a, a, a place, we were talking about, you know, what's coming up in the church and a few conversations around that. And, and one of the guys in the, in, the, in the group looked at me across the table and he said, you know, how, how do I live my life on mission in the marketplace in a world that's very, very hostile to Jesus? I mean, he, he was saying that, like, even in his environment, he, he not only could get reprimanded, he could lose his job. We're having a spiritual conversation with people. I mean, there, there's some major implications for this. And, and he said, how do you live your life on mission for Jesus in, 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 this, in this world and in, in, in the reality of what we live in right now? And I began to think about it over the weekend, and, and this is really it. 
This is really a glimpse into how we live our life to, in front of other people that, that are hostile to the gospel, they're hostile to Jesus, they're hostile to the, this new way of living. And if you really, really begin to think about it, imagine the difference that could happen in your work environment. And maybe you already do this, and maybe this reality has already happened in your workplace. But imagine the difference that it would make in your office if, if you began to live your life selflessly towards others. If you didn't try to impress other people. If you were sincerely pursuing humility in all of your thoughts and all of your actions. If, if you really were thinking of others more and more often and better than the way that you thought about yourself and the frequency of how much you thought about yourself. If you didn't look out for your own interest, but if you sincerely took an interest in other people and other people's life, that may not result in you getting the promotion that you hope to get. It may not result in getting the, the bonus that you're, you're working so hard to attain at the end of the year. It may not result in those things, but here's what I know, is if you do that long enough, if you do that faithful enough, that difference will be noticed in your office. That difference will be noticed in your neighborhood. That difference will be noticed in your school. And at some point along the way, here's what I know will happen. Somebody will begin to see the way that you act, the way that you talk, the way you respond to people, the way you treat other people, and they'll begin to say, you know, something's different about her. Something's different about him. And if you're living your life, if you, if you really have this in, in your mind of I'm going to live my life generously towards other people, I believe with all of my heart that God will honor that faithfulness and he will give you an opportunity to have those spiritual conversations with people in a very sometimes non-spiritual way that can oftentimes go like, you know, hey, man, something, something's different about you. Tell me, like, why do you, why, you know, Jack over here, he's, he's a jerk and you don't ever respond to him the, the way that, that I would want to, you know, you begin to have these conversations with people. And you begin to say, you know, well, let me tell you about the life, that my life that was changed. Let me tell you about the difference that Jesus made in my life. It may take a while, but you, the generosity in the way that you live your life, you will get to have a conversation with somebody that has lasting impact ramifications for them and for the kingdom of God. I love the words of Jesus in Mark 10. He says this, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That is the that is the, the equation in the kingdom of God, this new kingdom that we're in. That is how we get to live our life. That's why when we, we talk about serving inside and outside the church, you know, a, a lot of us can, can be tempted to think, well, I have to go do this. But when you have a, a generous mindset and, and it's a get-to mindset, you begin to say, no, 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 I get to go serve in whatever area in the life of the church today. I get to go make a difference in somebody's life today. It could be I just get to go stand at the door and be maybe the first smiling face that somebody's walking into the door today with has seen all morning long. 
I get to go serve in preschool or elementary ministry as a small group leader or as a sub, whatever it may be. And I get to make a difference, a spiritual, lasting difference in the lives of these people. This is what I get to do. Why? Because I have been transferred from one kingdom. One kingdom that was all about me. It was all about my selfishness. It was all about advancing me. It was all about my agenda. I've been transferred from this kingdom, and I get to live my life generously now. We get to live generously. But the second, the second reality for us by being transferred into this new kingdom is this, is that we get to be focused on a new mission. We now get to be focused on a new mission. There's a mission that our king came to bring to this new kingdom. And because it's the mission of the king, it becomes the mission of his people. And so now we get to be focused on a new mission, on a new reality, on a new way to live our life. Jesus said these words in Luke 19. For the Son of Man came. This is why he came. The Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Next year, we're going to start a sermon series in the book of Mark, just walking through the book of Mark over several weeks. And, and what you see right out of the gate is the announcement of John the Baptist of this new reality. And, and then when Jesus comes out of the wilderness, in Mark chapter 1, Jesus comes out of the wilderness. And what's the first thing that he does? He steps into a city, and he sees Peter, and he sees his brother. And it, what's, what's Jesus say to them? Follow me, which is the invitation to each one of us that he's given Follow me. And then what's he say? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you fishers of men. I'm going to put you on mission. I'm giving you a new purpose. I'm giving you a new mission. And because we've been transferred from one kingdom to another kingdom, we now get to focus on this new mission that we have in our life. It's an amazing reality. And all through Jesus, the, the ministry of Jesus, this is what he did. From when he called his first disciples that we see early in the Gospels to how he responded in John 4 to the woman at the well to the story, the, the age-old Sunday school story of Zacchaeus and then even to the, the three powerful parables that he told in Luke 15 of the things that were once lost and then became found. Our king is and was and will continue to be focused on his mission and that mission is advancing the kingdom of God. And he does that through his followers and through his church. And our mission now in life has taken on a different purpose because we are now in a new kingdom. Jesus gave his followers these words. In Matthew 28, he said this, verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Meaning, I can do whatever I want to do. That was the nice, Jesus said it in the nice way. But Jesus said, I've been given all authority. And when you've been given all authority, you can do whatever you want to do. Therefore, meaning because of this authority I have been given, you're going to do a new mission. And he said this, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he said, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. See, our mission now 
as individual followers of Jesus and as a church is different than the mission before we as individual followers became a follower of Jesus Christ. It is not a mission that is under ourselves. It is not a mission that begins and ends with us. It is not a mission that begins and ends with our happiness and our satisfaction. It is now a mission that sees the whole world in need of Jesus and his grace. It is now a mission that sees every family that is connected to Germantown Elementary School and Cairoville High School, our two, our two outlets for serving in compassion ministry. It, it is, it is, it is a, a, a new reality, a new mission that sees every neighbor that lives on our street, every coworker that we go to work with, every classmate that we're in school with, every family member, every one of the new families that's going to move into these homes right over here behind us but the houses are not even built yet. This new mission sees all of those people who are not followers of Jesus Christ in need of Jesus and the grace that comes because of Jesus. And this is the most amazing part. We get to be the ones who take that mission to the world. We get to be focused on this new mission. And the way that we say it around here just to try to make it clean and, and packaged up nice and understandable is this, is that we help people find and follow Jesus. That's what we do. We can do all the fun events we want to do. We can do all the social events that we want to do. We can know every single person that goes to this church, know them by their first name, their last name, and their date of birth. And if we are not on mission with the commands of Jesus, we are not following in his ways. That's what separates the church. That's what separates the individual followers of Jesus Christ is because we've been given a mission. If you have anybody in your family who's a military background, they talk about the commander's intent. And the commander's intent is the, the chief commander at the very, very top of the food chain in, in whatever military division it is and whatever operative that's being carried out, there is a commander's intent and it is the responsibility of every single person that is in that military division to understand what the commander's intent is and the commander's intent our commander's intent is to go and make disciples of all the nations and to teach them what Jesus commanded for the way that we're supposed to live our life Paul understood this well you know talk about a guy who'd been transferred from one kingdom into a new kingdom Paul was the guy he got this reality and when he was leaving uh, 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 some very close friends and, and he, had a, he had his heart and his, and his mind and his spirit set on going back to Jerusalem, he, he knew that he was going to face danger. He knew that he was going to face uncertainty, but he knew that he had to go. Why? Because the mission of the king. And Paul wrote these words. He said in Acts 20, 24, he said, but my life is worth Nothing. Meaning all the achievements, all the good things that I can accomplish, all the, the accolades that I can accumulate, all the raises, all the bonuses, all the houses, all the anything. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned by the Lord Jesus. And then don't miss this, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God.
I love this quote from Shelly Giglio. Shelly is the wife of Louis Giglio, who's there as a team. They're one of the most powerful influencers in in the Christian community over the last 20 years, raising up an entire generation of, of, of followers of Jesus and impacting literally the world through their ministry. And Shelly put this on social media. This was just, you know, a Tuesday quote that she, you know, Tuesday post that she made. She said this, God is not limited by our participation. He's not building the kingdom if we get along and work together. He is building his church no matter what. He said hell itself won't stop him. And then I love this. Let's see, start seeing our part as an invite, as an opportunity, as a privilege. My words, let's see this as a get-to. We get to participate in this. We are his body, and functioning together with all working parts is ideal. Let's play our part and stop quitting when things get challenging. Let's dig deep and honor God with staying So we get to live generously because of this transfer into this new kingdom, this new reality that we have, this new way to live. And and we get to, the way that this works is now we get to be focused on a new mission because of this transfer and this new reality. But the third reality is this, is we get to love and love well. We get to love and love well. And sure, the, the, the word love's kind of gotten diluted in the world, and, and it's kind of a catchy thing that a lot of that a culture's trying to latch onto. But, but in this new kingdom that we've been transferred into, love looks very different. It looks very, very different than the, than the version of love that the world holds up. And this mattered to Jesus. It mattered so much that he gave his followers a new command to emphasize how big of a deal this was to those who were going to claim to to be his followers. He said this in John 13. This was his, his last night. He says this in John 13. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And then here's what hangs in the balance on this command. Jesus said these words. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The, the implications for the way that we love one another are, are not just one-way implications between one person and another person. They are implications and ramifications for the world around us. That the, the reality of the way that we love one another says more about our faith than almost anything else we can do. And this, this was a big deal to Jesus. It was a big deal because I, I just have this hunch that Jesus knew that the temptation would be to step away from love. That Jesus just knew the temptation would be to slide back into our old way of thinking, our old way of behaving, our old way of treating each other. That, that the temptation would be to walk away from love and walk towards destructive words and actions that come sometimes so easy for us in our life. He knew that it would be so easy for us to slip away from this new kingdom reality of thinking and living 
and slip back into this old kingdom way of living and talking and treating one another. So he framed it up as simple as he could. He said, you are to love one another. And not a touchy-feely, ooey-eye love. This is real down in the trenches, down in the, in the muck, down in the hard stuff kind of love because so much hangs on it. I'm going to talk to something just for a minute that I believe is, is, is incredibly important for a church family at any season in life to talk about. It's something that uh, I believe that You've experienced this probably in your life, and, and when you experience it in your own life, it doesn't feel like love at all. It's actually the antithesis of love. And it is hurtful, and it is harmful, and we have to do everything we can to guard against it, and that is gossip. There is nothing, nothing so unloving, and nothing that will tear the family of God apart quicker and faster than gossip. Absolutely nothing. Why? Because gossip, it tears down trust and it builds up walls of fear. It plants seeds of bitterness and misunderstanding between people who have never had a conversation before. Gossip unravels and it unaffords the grace that families should be extending to each other. Why? Because when we gossip, instead of talking to one another, we talk about one another. And the other danger about gossip is that it actually, it inserts other people in harm's way. And, and gossip is probably, it, 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 the, the danger about it is that it feels so authentic. This is how I feel. But we all know, we tell our kids this, the way that you feel oftentimes is a lie. Your feelings lie to you all the time. Gossip isn't authentic, it's actually incredibly unloving. And in our lives and in our church family, we must be relentless about extinguishing gossip in our church family and in between one another. The Apostle Paul knew that this would be such a big deal that he spoke to it. Listen to, to the Apostle Paul's words. He says in Ephesians 4, he says this, get rid of, or another translation says this, put away. It's this idea of taking something, and, and, and it's like a jar or something, taking something, and you, you get up on the highest shelf or the, the junk drawer in the back, you know, in the dark, darkest corner of your junk drawer, and you put this thing away. It's something you forget about. It's something you don't pay attention to. He says, get rid of or put away all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And then I love this new reality. I want this new reality. I want this for you. I want it for me. I want it for my kids. I want it for my family. I want it for your kids and for your family. He says this, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. And I can promise you this. Some of you have experienced incredible loss. You've experienced incredible pain. But if God through Jesus Christ can forgive you of your wrongdoing, your sin, the, the, the rage and the anger that is in your heart, that your sin put Jesus on the cross, if God can forgive you of that, you can forgive. You have the power through the Holy Spirit to forgive anyone in your life. 
And so you say to yourself, you know, okay, well, I, hey, I, I want some guardrails. Like, help me. I, I want to know that I'm not gossiping. I want to know how to, how, to, how to live. I want to love each other well, and, and I don't want to do this. You know, what, what, do I, what do I need to do? Here's two things to consider. The first one is this. This is a guardrail to know, like, okay, I might be nearing the edge of gossip here, and I want to be, I want to be careful with this. I want to love people well. I don't want to do this. The first one is this. Is that if you were talking about someone to someone who isn't part of the problem, and they are not part of the solution to your problem, it's gossip. If you're talking to someone about someone who isn't part of the problem, and they are not part of the solution to your problem, it's probably gossip. And the most responsible thing in that moment, if you are on the receiving end of that conversation that you can do is to say, hey, I wasn't there. I wasn't in the room. I don't know how that decision was made. I don't know the tone of voice. I don't understand the context and even what you're talking about. What I think you should do is I think you should go talk to that person about it. I can't help you, but I want to help you go talk to that person. And talk to that person directly so that you can reach an understanding. So that if forgiveness needs to happen, you can, you can seek forgiveness. And the second thing is this, and, and somebody told me this a couple of years ago, and man, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I was going through a really hard season in my life. This was probably three, three and a half years ago. And just a lot of just turnover in my heart and my spirit and my mind and what I thought and uh, to be honest, what I believed. And, and I it just, I'd been hurt by people that I never thought would hurt the way that I hurt. And it was just all this stuff. And, and I was just, I was a mess. And, and I, I remember going to somebody and it's just kind of that, you know, that moment where you just like verbal vomit out on somebody. You're just like, ah, you know, and you say all these things and it's all wrong and it's all bad and you just, Ah, you let it go. And the person looked back at me kind and as gentle and as, and as compassionate as they could. They looked back at me and they said, here's what you need to do. And here's the, second, here's the second reality to help you guard against gossip. They said, you need to pray about it more than you talk about it. You need to pray about it more than you talk about it. Because here's what I've experienced in my own life. Those moments where I just, man, I'm just like, I'm just, I'm angry or I'm mad or I'm hurt or I'm frustrated. And, I'm, and I, and I want to project that on to somebody about their character or about their, you know, who they are as a person. That when I will stop and when I will begin to pray about that situation more than I talk about that situation. What oftentimes happens is God changes my heart first. God changes my heart first. And there was a moment in this season, this person challenged me. He said, literally, if you have four conversations a day about this situation, you find yourself in four conversations a day about this situation, and you total all those conversations up, and it was 15 minutes each conversation, and you talked about this situation for an hour. You wasted an hour on this situation. They challenged me. They said, literally, you need to go, and you need to pray for an hour and 10 minutes. You need to seek the Lord through prayer. You need to pray about it more than you talk about it because it will mean so often that God will begin to change my heart first. So because of this transfer, this reality that we live in, we get to be generous. And we get to be focused on a new mission. And lastly, we get to love and to love really, really well. This is not something that we do on our own power. This is not something that we do in our own strength. This is something that we do because of who Jesus Christ was and is and will continue to be. 
And our theme for the series, and I referenced it earlier, and I'm going to reference it again as we close, is this, is that Jesus didn't come to stay in the manger. Jesus came to be king of the world. And more personally for you today is this, is that Jesus didn't come to stay in the manger. Jesus came to be king of your life. Christmas time has personal realities and implication for you and your life. But Jesus did not come to just stay in a manger. He came to be king of your 